Welcome to Tech Breakfast, today's top headlines served hot by your host Aaron Bewley and Tyler Gates. So grab your coffee and let's get into it. It's Tuesday, May 19th. Dear listeners, ladies and gentlemen of the Tech Breakfast Club, can I call you Brekkies? Regardless, today is a special episode of Delicious Tech News where we're going to zoom in on news in the realm of virtual reality, augmented reality, mixed reality, cross reality, all the realities. Our guest today is Mr. Daniel Platt. He is Director of Product Management and Marketing for vSpatial. He's been heavily involved in the XR space, originally as a developer since the resurgence of virtual reality. Welcome, Daniel. Good morning. Welcome. How are you? Oh, Brekkies. Show. Brekkies. Yeah. <laughs> I like Brekkies. Yeah, that's that's going to stick. I had to, I had to draw into myself from laughing. <laughs> you can I almost laugh. died okay. during, during the intro, though, bro. I didn't want didn't to interrupt it. And uh, welcome back once again to Mr. Russ. Thank you for joining us. Hello. So first question, Daniel, uh, when was the resurgence of virtual reality that you're talking about? How long have you been in the XR space? And why do you call it the XR space instead of all of them? Yeah. More um, yeah. Let, let's talk about XR first. Uh, that's kind of the, the uh, all-encompassing term of AR, VR, and MR. Um, so if I just talk about those super quick, virtual reality, which is the one that most of us know about is, you know, where you put on goggles and you, you don't see the, the space around you anymore. You're just totally immersed in a, in a virtual space. Um, AR is, you know, where you can see the world around you and then we augment, um, virtual objects in front of that. The, the thing most people think of when we talk about AR is, is Pokemon Go, where you can pull out your little phone camera and then see Pikachu on your on your couch in front of you. And then MR is kind of the the mix of both of those, where you can kind of virtualize what the what the world around you is, but it's more more digitized than than what AR is. So XR is kind of the accepted um, all encompassing term for for all of those. Um, now the, the resurgence of, of VR that I'm, that I'm talking about, VR has technically been around for a very long time. I remember when I was a little kid, I tried the, the, the VR headset experience that they had at Disney quest, which is one of the fun little parks that Disney world had. And, uh, so it's been around for, for a very long time, but I call it the resurgence when, um, when Facebook purchased Oculus, which at that point it, it had kind of um, show that, that VR was, was becoming legit and, um, you know, several billion dollars will, will do that to an idea. I think we see this in other industries as well. Um, like for instance, you know, in, in our industry, uh, we, we have containers, Kubernetes, things like that, that are, that are emerging as, as, you know, like the next big thing, but they've been around like LXC is like Linux containers for 20 years. And so it, sometimes it just takes, someone else or something else to come around and make a big move that popularizes a new medium. And I think the XR space is sort of going through that. And I think that's really kind of what Daniel's getting at is that there's these changes going on in the space, big splashes, technology evolved in a way to where more normal consumers could get it. You didn't just have to go to Disney to experience it. And that's having a big boom for the industry. I think, I feel like the XR industry was just begging for, you know, the lightweight hardware with good optics so you didn't get sick using it. And then the PC that was 
approachably inexpensive that could actually power the experience that everybody was expecting. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I think people leaning into it and actually getting the development community into it's a big part of it too. You I, I think there's a lot of misconceptions games. About, about a lot of that stuff. And there's a lot of misconceptions around what is required or what the barriers are to entry for, for VR these days. And, and I understand it because they were real at one point in time. But I think to your point, cheaper headsets, not only that, but I think all-in-one headsets are really the key. Mm -hmm. uh, I think for, for headsets like, you know, Buley, you have the Quest. Yeah. I think for a lot of people to have a self-contained headset is, is going to be a big driver for this. Cause that was the tipping the main, point for me. Yeah, exactly. And, and a lot of the main misconceptions are VR headsets are expensive. Like everyone thinks that you have to go out and get the Valve Index for $1,000 and then have another like $3,000 PC in order to drive it. First of all, your PC doesn't have to be that expensive. Two, the Valve Index is quite literally like the Ferrari of VR headsets. Daniel, correct me for if sure. I'm wrong. No, no, that's, that's the way that's I look at sure. it. Yeah. And so like, but that's, I mean, there are headsets that range anywhere from, I think two or $300 now all the way up to that thousand dollars. Some are all in one, some require an external PC and you really don't need that anymore. So I think the things that we're fighting now are less about the barriers to entry of the technology itself. And it's people viewing it as a gimmick or even defending it or, or defending their medium against it as a gimmick. And I actually mean that from like people in, in my circle. So like hardcore traditional <laughs> yeah, look at awesome. VR as a threat. They look okay. at it as I'm not going to be able to play Counter-Strike with my keyboard and mouse in my little, you know, 2D space essentially and just like <laughs> keep everything the way it was. They're like, well, now I'm going to be playing this pavlov game which is counter-strike in vr which by the way exists that's actually a real thing and you're like that, that's not the way i want to play counter-strike so vr is bad and i'm going to make sure that everyone on mm. the internet knows that vr is bad and i think that vr like any new medium sort of has to contend with its detractors who are defending their previously dominant space interesting yeah, have, that, you, uh, is... have you watched netflix and vr on the oculus I nobody have. Okay. I have. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's, I, I, yes. I do it like, at night sometimes. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy. Uh, anyway, um, there's, there's a lot of different uses. Uh, and Oculus, uh, the Quest, I went and updated it yesterday and saw a ton of new features. Uh, there's a lot to talk about today from a news perspective. A lot around hand tracking, which uh, mine was actually having a little bit of difficulty with. I probably just needed a reboot and, it, and it's good. Um, but Couple of the big uh, pieces in the news. So celebrating the one year anniversary of Oculus Quest, oops, excuse me, Oculus Quest and Rift S. Uh, what are the quick differences between those two? So the Quest is what I have. I don't, I don't know what the Rift S is. Yeah, so the Oculus Rift was the, the very first headset that kind of came out to, to the public, um, as, as well as right around the same time, um, HTC had a headset called the Vive they came out with. Um, but to talk about what, what's available right now, um, kind of the main two headsets from Oculus is the is the Quest, like you said, that that you have, which is uh, which is a standalone headset, meaning that you don't need a PC that you need to be that you have to be plugged into. Um, it is sixed off, so um, it's we, what sixed off. So that means six degrees of freedom. Mm, um, okay. So if, if you know, I don't know if you remember the Oculus Go headset, which was also yeah. a standalone headset. It was only able to measure how you rotate your head around. So you could just kind of look around in space, but you couldn't 
move around a space, it wouldn't track that. Um, so sixth off is the ability to actually sense. walk around a space. So That's both awesome. the both the Quest and the Rift S are, are sixed off headsets, meaning that you can actually move around the space, um, which a lot of people that get motion that would get motion sick with uh, the Oculus Go, being able to actually move around helped a lot of them. Um, but the, so the, the Quest, like I said, is standalone. Um, the Rift S, you have to be plugged into a PC and it has to be a, a pretty beefy PC that has, you know, a, a well-powered CPU and, and GPU in order to to run the headsets. Right. <laughs> well, fr one. from Russ's perspective, not <laughs> yes. not that high. Um, I I might have trouble with it. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it is a little bit more of an investment, whereas, like I said, the Quest is really the, the headset for the masses because you don't need you know a, a gaming PC in order to to run it. Um, it's just you know four hundred dollar price point to get into it. And, and that's all you need. Um, but they both have the same controllers. Um, now the, the Quest recently, um, it, they announced that Oculus Connect 6, which is the big developer um, event that they do every year, um, they, they announced Oculus Link, which is the ability to basically turn your, your Quest headset into a Rift S as well via plugging it in. Um, originally, you did need a USB 3.0 cable in order to get it, but you, you could leverage the power of your PC's GPU um, in order to get a, you know, a, a, a better, uh, kind of a higher experience on, on the game, you know, higher graphics. And access to more games too, right? Well, and access to, there, yeah. yeah, access to the entire Oculus Rift. Half-Life Alex too, yep. I think, which yep. is the biggest, biggest game in VR yeah, right now. It comes with yep. it, doesn't it? It it doesn't come with the uh, with the quest. You have to buy oh, the uh, maybe the, the valve the valve the index. index. Oh, the yeah. index. That's right. You can play you can play that on any of those other sets though too, or or some of them based on specifications. Yeah, in any headset that runs Steam VR, I I believe can can yep. run the. You don't you don't need the index. You can yeah. as long as you run Steam VR, you can run it. And I would like to point something out. It's not that you have to have a high end gaming PC. Everyone needs to change their perspective. It's that you get to have a high end gaming. PC. <laughs> that Very that is the thing that, that everyone needs to understand. <laughs> All right, so oh, Daniel. One of the, and I, I kind of mentioned it already, but one of the biggest pieces of news I've seen is that the um, experimental hand tracking system is now out of beta. It's yes. an official feature. Uh, cool. Controller-free hand tracking is being added to games, all that kind of stuff. What's your thought on that and what that's going to do? Yeah, so they, they've had it available for a little bit just on the Oculus Home as kind of a beta feature that you could enable. Um, and it, it's been that way for for several months at least, you know, we could kind of navigate the Oculus home menu with it, but the developers um, haven't been able to publish anything with that. Oculus has said, if you, if you publish anything with that to our official release channels, then it won't, we won't let it upload because we'll, we'll look for that. Um, and so it hasn't been something that developers have been able to, to play around with very much, um, you know, cause it, there wasn't really a, a date targeted as to when we'll be able to play around with that. But now Oculus is saying, start, start preparing your apps for this. Um, it's, it's go time. So it's, it's a, it is a really cool experience. I played around with it quite a bit in the, in the home menu, as well as in, in some 
some other apps that I've had to, to sideload. Um, yeah, I saw a video it, of a guy playing air guitar uh, on Twitter the other day that looked so cool. It was like yeah. a guitar hero or something, but you can just track your hands and you're holding a, a, a VR guitar. Yeah, you no longer have to carry around the heavy controllers. You can just use yeah, your hands right. to point at things, collect, um, you know, kind of click and select things, grab things, et cetera. And so they're kind of opening up a, a few kind of known gestures that you can implement into applications. And, you know, it just, it just re reduces the bulk of having to carry a, carry a VR headset around. You know, you don't, you don't have to carry around the controllers anymore. And now yeah. you'll be able to I, just- I can imagine the depending headset. on the game or if it's productivity software or something like that, that could be actually even more intuitive or, or more enjoyable. I would imagine some games it's kind of nice to have something physical in your hand too but um, yeah. that's that's neat yeah with things like beat saber or if you have like a shooter or something like that it's super nice to have uh, like pistol whip is one of their top selling uh, games which is pretty fun um, yeah you can get a good sweat going with some of these too um, but yeah so what are your thoughts on it being able to track the fingers that it can't see it, it is a, a really big feat, you know, that there've been some companies that have tried to do that for, for a while now. And the fact that we're starting to get it kind of standalone without additional hardware is, is, is a major thing. I don't know if you guys remember, um, man, what is the name of the company? Something magic. Um, magic leap. No. Oh, <laughs> I know what you're talking about. I ran into them when I was poking through some of this stuff and I can't think of it now. Um, yeah. And, and anyways, you know, the, the fact that they can do it with just a, the Quest um, cameras with, you know, without any additional sensors is, is pretty amazing. Um, and it, it is, yeah, you were right. It, it is pretty, okay. it is pretty spot on um, with the ability to, to do the tracking. And now it's not going to be as, as uh, accurate as, as the controllers will be, um, but it, it does a, a pretty, pretty dang good job for, for just totally standalone. I think that this tracking of, without having to have controllers, and it's not ex explicit to this, but is gonna be a big aspect of making this grow as well. Because one thing that I think VR is seen as for a lot of people, and I think vSpatial is you know trying to change this, is a lot of people see it as another way to play games. Like almost people, people almost exclusively buy VR to play games. And, and the reality is, is there's a lot more applications that I think we're seeing a lot of people. I mean, you know, Billy Joanna's doing a, a workout group on Zoom right now. You know, what happens if one day the workout group is able to exist within VR yeah. um, and do things like that? So I think there's going to be not only that, but vSpatial is creating workspaces around it. Like there's a lot of different ways that VR has application. And, but for the most part, people think of it as just another gaming device. And I think once people yeah. start thinking about it differently and not just as a gaming device, then it's going to, to see a wider adoption overall. So we need more and more of these things to come out, such as, you know, hands-free tracking, et cetera. The, the, the all-in-one headsets are a big mm -hmm. part of this as yeah. well in order to enable that. Well, I think, I think it goes back to what I was saying earlier too. It's that those things are all going to make the barriers to entry go down, right? I mean, you semi-joking, but not really. It's an excuse to get a more capable PC. A lot of people don't want one, especially if it's for a productivity task, right? I think I think it's part of the reason that- There's uh, no scenario where I'll ever the, believe that's the case. <laughs> the, the gaming community is totally a community that will adopt uh, 
both high price tag systems and uh, will lean into forward looking tech if they think it's going to give them a more immersive experience and stuff like that. Somebody that's that's looking for a productivity suite is far less likely to spend you know thousands on a rig yeah. or, or see that as a justifiable expense. So. I think I think all of that stuff. It, it would not be a premium gaming experience, but it would be great for all kinds of different tasks. So okay. it is exciting to see it. I mean, my <laughs> monitor costs as much as a VR headset, more than. <laughs> so it's you know, and so, it's just kind of like flat and in front of me. It doesn't allow me to exist inside of a new space. Yeah, and and to, to talk about that super quick, um, one one of the articles and one of the things that we're seeing on our end at vSpatial is that <clears throat> excuse me is that Oculus is now kind of expanding what's, what will be available um, on, on the Quest headset. So originally, they were all, all focused about gaming. Um, the, the Quest store, you had to be a game. You couldn't be anything other than that. They wouldn't let you on. And, and now there's quite a few titles that, were, that are working towards releasing on, on the Quest now that Oculus has kind of given the, the green light to. V-Spatial is, is one of those. So you'll, our app will be officially releasing to the Quest as a Quest Store app um, instead of a private invite-only app um, later this year. And so Oculus is starting to realize, thank you. Yeah, Oculus is realizing that this is a, it, it's more than just gaming now. Um, That's interesting that, that even Oculus viewed it as just a, a gaming device, really. I mean, I would have, I, yeah. I had no idea that that was the case. That's extremely surprising to me. Uh, they wouldn't have thought of expanding the use cases outward out of the gate sure yeah that they would even limit it artificially out of the gate i actually saw i think the the article you were referring to daniel right um so i was reading through that and i did notice that uh, immersed in spatial as you mentioned you know came up in it but i was like you russ actually pretty surprised that they just made that happen right yeah Yeah. that's just crazy you got to be looking for use cases after spending three billion you know (laughs) (laughs) for sure that was six years ago too right gosh it's nice to see all this stuff come along um, there were some other cool features, but just to kind of close out a couple thoughts on the hand tracking. Um, I, one of, one of my favorite things to do with the Oculus is to show people that have never seen something like this before. It's my favorite thing to do. Like I love That's to cool. love to do things like that, but for the Oculus specifically, it's fun to play Beat Saber. It's fun to play Pistol Whip and whatever. It's fun to sit in VR space with you, Daniel, and, you know, shoot baskets while we're talking work and whatnot. But to, show somebody this technology the hand tracking thing i think is so cool because we normally spend the first you know 20 minutes trying to teach somebody so you know i think i don't want to call people out specifically but there's people in my life (laughs) i put the headset on and they just don't understand the controller right what's happening and i have to imagine um you know it, it would just decrease that barrier to to get into the experience and understand it it'd be a lot more natural just to use your hands to you know swipe through screens and to pick up a ping pong paddle and all that kind of fun stuff so not to mention there are people that don't have um the ability likely right to maybe even hold that or something right maybe they just suffer with like severe arthritis or or whatever right um, so it may may open up some of those. I mean, that is big because I even I have a friend who's um, I mean he he was a big gamer and and he's he's our age and, and but he struggles with arthritis in his hands uh, and he he's a he's a developer he you know he he actually types for work so when he comes home he doesn't really touch the keyboard at all 
which really makes it difficult to play his favorite game, which is Counter-Strike. Oh, and yeah. so he, he really hasn't played in, in a few years, but I'll see him on Steam and in Steam VR because it provides him a way to interact with things in a way that, that isn't, you know, straining his hands very much. So that's, that's actually, it is really big for accessibility reasons um, yeah. for, for a myriad of different use cases, I think. So actually, there's one two... of my... One of my oh, neighbors, sorry, um, uh, it's actually her, her dad, um, developed, uh, to your point, Russ, with accessibility, he developed um, a foot directional control system for VR systems. So it's a little bit, little ahead of its time, but um, I, I thought that it was really neat to talk to him about it and just realizing how, how that immersive experience and how some of the tracking stuff is going to sort of improve. But there are still a lot of folks that need different control sets to actually sort of interact with those environments. Um, so I imagine we'll see a lot more of that too. Yeah, awesome. for sure. Uh, there's two other quick things that I saw um, on when I, when I jumped on the Oculus yesterday, you now have um, alerts if something is suddenly in your way. So you create this guardian, you create this, cool. this barrier, right? And I'm imagining like if my dog decides to come and sit inside that barrier and stand in front of me, the Oculus will now warn me if I'm about to walk into my dog. Um, and simultaneously, I thought this was neat. So if you're familiar with the main home screen, you, I think you, you initially started out, they just had like a dome, you know, and, and it's nighttime. Uh, and then they added a few other different scenarios that you could download. And that's, that's your Oculus home. Well, now they've got that XR feel that cross reality feel where you are in your own home and the screen is just in front of you. So very cool. So mm. that yesterday mm. yeah. starting to go through those boundaries. And I was talking with another friend about this and he was saying, how cool will that be if you can take something like pistol whip and play it in your house rather than in some yeah, that'd be designed awesome. area. You know what I mean? Cause I think <laughs> yeah. we're starting to see that type of stuff. That's weird. I just got chills. <laughs> super nerd <laughs> about the future on this type of stuff. I mean, but, I'm thinking uh, how cool it would be to, and this is probably more augmented reality, but if you could, if you had a pair of, you know, augmented reality glasses or something like that, and you could go out in your backyard and all of a sudden your backyard is now a paintball field or something like that. Like yeah. that would be, that would be a lot of fun to be able to go out and, and play something like that. That's the type of gaming experience that'll, I think, change the world whenever you can do stuff like that, where you're interacting with the environment as mm -hmm. well, stuff like that. And it's just adding to it. Yeah. I, I, I've always loved that. Some of the proof of concepts or even just, you know, artist renditions of what can be done with an augmented reality sort of space. You think about kids and, and sandboxes, like everything becomes a sandbox only the sandbox is full of dragons, real dragons, right? Like I, there, it's limitless what, what you can potentially Dude, see. Dude, on my phone, whenever I was, you know, we, we just built this house and I had to come over and I needed to try and create, you know, measure the space for, for my furniture that we were going to try and buy. And, and I, had, I had all of my tools to come actually measure it, but I decided, I was like, you know, why don't I see if there's, I know there's tons of like augmented reality apps that, that I can use. And so I used an AR ruler and I was actually able to trace the exact measurements all around the room of my different furniture that I was going to put. And I could actually kind of place furniture wherever I needed to in the room to get yeah. how it was going to work. That was the, cool. I mean, don't, don't get me wrong. It took me three or four hours to do it, <laughs> <laughs> but, but it was, it was, it was an incredible experience of just being able to leverage that tool 
to measure the room. And quite frankly, I was checking to yeah. make sure that my house was built appropriately. <laughs> and, uh, and so I was, I was checking all of that. And I thought that, that was just an incredibly just practical use of something sure. with a cell phone, you know, that, that almost everyone has access to, to be able to leverage that technology, which I thought was pretty awesome. That is awesome. I, I'm, I'm reminded, I feel like I talked about this on the show too, but it kind of makes me want to reach out to, you know, colleagues of mine from a long time ago. But when early days at Lockheed Martin, I worked in a group that was dedicated to manufacturing technology, right? And um, a lot of the projects that I spent my time on were about projecting work instruction directly onto the surface of the parts that we were working with, but it was actually engineering data, right? So it wasn't just put this screw here, but it was, here's your spacing, here's the grip length, make sure that the stack is appropriate. These are the actual part numbers that need to go in. This is sort of the process. And of course, you know, early days, they were using just vision systems and actually mapping pixels in projectors or using some very expensive lasers that would draw in 3D space with, with known entities. This approachable technology is just like the application for stuff like that is limitless. And I'm, I'm actually curious because I know that, that those groups in uh, companies like that are, um, are always looking for sort of the next way to do something. You think about workforce training, things like that. Um, I'm kind of curious if they've, they've crept into this space already. I've got to assume the answer is yes, but you never know. So I'll have to reach out and see, see if folks are already doing stuff like that. You can imagine it's a lot easier to train somebody to crawl into a fuel tank through an access panel to fix a leak somewhere uh, if you don't actually need to put them into an aircraft. Never mind that yeah. that's terribly unsafe. <laughs> uh, so they limit how often that has to happen. But um, yeah, there's, like I said, I can, well, if you I can get imagine. to train with that, then you spend less time in that situation no that's my point you, that yeah you crawl in yeah. and you know exactly where it is you don't actually need the aircraft you know exactly where to go it's going to speed up the operation you can determine out of the gate if your shoulders are too big to get in the access panel which happens right um yeah no there's there's all kinds of upside to having systems that can ingest real three-dimensional engineering data and then give users direct access to it in a virtual environment right or then taking it a step further, keeping the headset on and just augmenting when you're up in there, right? It's dark, it's crowded. If you've got just enough space to bring the headset in with you, then it's actually easier to do your job. Oh, I see. Yeah. So, yeah. There's, Daniel, cool. educate us a little bit on the history of some of this stuff um, since you've been involved with it for, uh, you know, six years or so. Uh, when you search Oculus founder, you get a guy named Palmer Lucky. He was born in 1992. What? He's 27 yeah. years old. Damn it! Oh my goodness, <laughs> that was unexpected. What? <laughs> I was watching the Bulls win the second of their three peats. Uh, anyway, um, okay, uh, MJ, you're the goat. Anyway, tell me about Palmer Lucky. <laughs> yeah, so he's kind of been been the uh, the, the go to guy. For, for Oculus, you know, he was, he was the CEO of the company, um, the one that really kind of brought this, brought this to everyone. Um, and when Facebook acquired them, he continued to kind of head, head Oculus for, for a while. Um, now he's, he's had an interesting career since he is still very vocal in, in the XR space. So any, anytime someone announces a new headset, he's always there to tweet about what his experience is with it. He's not really uh, you know he, he's agnostic to, to any headsets at, at this point even though because he doesn't think. have a, 
a, a dog in the fight now because he sold his yeah. off? Is that okay? Well, is he a so good he, follow on Twitter? He, he is an interesting follow on Twitter. Good follow then. <laughs> yeah. Now Not to, good enough though to give up that one three three seven followers. Well, I'll just I'll got, drop one of the others. That's saying. what I'm doing. Oof. Ooh, I'm getting Unfollow dropped. Unfollow me. <laughs> no, no, no. I follow. I, I I followed a ton of companies just to get to one, three, three, seven. Oh, so the one you're following. Got some. it. Anyway, nice. Let's let's That's get back hilarious. to it. But yeah, um, I'm not to get very political about the entire thing, but um, he he had some interesting ties to um, some of the happenings in the last major election. That um, you know, being in Silicon Valley not a lot of people there were very thrilled about Ruh -ruh. and so uh they kind of the public basically called for him to to step down as the wow. the, he the head of oculus and um that it, it was such a strong opinion that it kind of forced facebook's hand to to do that and yeah stick so to virtual reality and not political reality bro yeah yeah wow. yeah you know, in, in the end, he did pretty good for himself because I think he's still part of the uh, the, the three comma club. Is that's awesome. Silicon Valley friends call it. <laughs> well, good, good for reference. Yeah, yeah, his net right. worth in 2016 was 730 million. So, yeah, I imagine at this point he's in the three comma club. That's not terrible. sounds like he's doing all right. <laughs> yeah. Okay, uh, Tyler, I, hey, I saw you drop some other news in here. Um, Carnegie Mellon developing tech to simulate the feel of obstacles in VR. Yeah, I think that one that one plays right into kind of what we were talking about the the accessibility, being able to do finger tracking, not needing a remote and stuff like that. But one of the things I think you're going to miss for a while, or at least until technology like what Carnegie is working on, um, is tactile feedback. Right? I mean, even game controllers limited, you get your your buzz, and there's some pretty cool stuff that goes into that. So it, it's more immersive as a result. I've seen some news about integrating that stuff into headsets for other VR AR applications, but this one was neat. It was a shoulder mounted, basically string system that, uh, or wire system, probably more accurate. And it ties to fingers and uh, I imagine back of the palm and stuff like that. But the intention is that the, you know, when you hit a certain point in space that, um, you know, sort of integrated system will lock certain um, wires and so your finger can't move and it has, it kind of forces a, a simulated experience of actually feeling a surface. Um, and it's pretty cool to see it too. One of the, one of the things that caught my eye there too, was that they're, they're projecting from a prototype perspective that it, it's going to weigh less than 10 ounces and it's going to cost less than 50 bucks when produced at scale. So again, that's a very accessible way to kind of enhance a technology like that. Yeah. Daniel, what do you guys, as developers, what do y'all think about stuff like that coming into the market? Uh, one of the other things we talked about was the head haptic feedback, helping people um, deal with motion sickness and whatnot. What do you think about all that? Yeah, you know, it, it is a super fascinating uh, space. I, I don't know if everyone here has seen uh, Ready Player One, but to see kind of the, the yeah, entire yeah, so. haptic feedback systems that... Uh, yeah, the full body. Yeah. It, it's it's a super interesting concept and sweatsuit. Um, Gross. Yeah, I, I don't I don't know <laughs> how much. Me too. Sign me up. Yeah, I, I don't know how much <laughs> how soon we'll see you know that level of 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 immersion. Um, Russ, let's make it happen. Oh, we're gonna make it happen. I believe in you. Russ yeah, is need, gonna need a bigger idea. PC. <laughs> I've got the PC to power it. It's gonna be like blank check. 
<laughs> no, that's cool. Oh, yeah. well, hey, Daniel, I got something else for you. Something that well, I, I kind of came. Is across. that is oh, that your ahead. full thought on that? The oh, all the oh. haptic feedback and all that. I I was just gonna say, you know, it's it will definitely expand the experiences of of what we're able to do. Um, the you know, when you can really escape where you're currently at, um, it's it just adds to that. Um, it's it's been interesting. One of the things the Oculus said at their last connect was that they've had a lot more success in Asia than they than they kind of planned on. And they've kind of attributed that to the fact that so many people live in these really tiny homes. Small places. And you know, when you're when you're living in that, you need a, a way to escape it. And VR is is a way to to do that. And the more you can add to that experience with immersion on on haptic feedback and feeling things, then the more you can truly escape where you're currently yeah. at. Well, that would explain the spike uh, due to the stay-at-home orders as well. Yeah. Right? I was so, noticing I, that. We, we started talking about this. I started clicking around trying to figure out which uh, VR headset I was going to buy. And all the Oculus ones are notifying me like they're on yeah. short supply. Good I luck. hit up uh, you know, the secondary market. And of course, they're all three times as expensive as they would be new. <laughs> so yeah, I bought I, um, I bought mine in uh, November, October, November, something like that, right before I think it was like October, and I called it a Christmas gift for my kids. Quote unquote. Ah, nice. Ooh, there you go. Smart. I, I truly I think I I think I bought that was mine my gaming PC right before <laughs> for Buley's kids <laughs> for your daughter. <laughs> yeah, for my 18 month old daughter, which I just saw her titled in here. She um, did. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, what was I saying? Oh, I think I bought it right before like this massive uptick because yeah. then I had a problem. And actually that's how you and I met Daniel. I was tweeting yeah. about the problem that I had with the left controller and it took like six months for wow. Oculus to, to help me out with that. So, but anyway, Oculus is off the list. Got it. No, no, no. It's I'm yeah, kidding. I'm kidding. It was a joke. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Don't um, do that. All right. So, one of the other things I'd love to hear your take on, Daniel, is the next VR acquisition that we just uh, were learning about from Apple. And then there's rumors about where they're going to take that. What do, you, what do you think? Yeah, you know, the next has been around since the since the early days of, of VR. And, you know, they've kind of shown that they're, they're a pretty legitimate company. You know, you guys have talked about this, um, I think, Thursday or Wednesday last week. I can't remember. Um, but, you know, they, they had legitimate deals with like the NBA and a lot of big professional sports leagues yeah. where they're, right. you know, where, where they're broadcasting things in, into kind of a, a virtual reality um, platform. And I, the, the rumors around Apple being in AR and VR have been circling for a, a really long time. Um, Tim Cook has been vocal that he, he's really excited about where AR is heading. Um, and the, I think they initially even said that they're not going to pursue VR, but I think they've probably changed their their opinion on that. Um, yeah, I was reading some of those rumors about some of the capabilities they're talking about putting into the iPad Pro, uh, yeah, stuff like LiDAR or things like that. And then I guess what? I think a lot of this LiDAR data comes from yeah, uh, Sorry, a lot of, a lot of this is coming from who they're hiring too, right? So I guess they're putting. Um, a lot of requisitions out for folks to work on headsets and it's kind of hard to believe that they aren't foraying into that VR market if they're going to hire that many people right yeah yep and you know that the the the, the go-to kind of analyst that everyone points to on the web is the ming Chir Kuo. i'm trying to say that in a in a non-chinese way 
Um, you speak Mandarin. Just say I, it how I, it's I, supposed to be said. You speak well, Mandarin? I, I, I do speak Mandarin, which so is why my Twitter handle is so weird. <laughs> so I, I, I don't see the actual characters on here. I'm just kind of guessing, but it's probably Gold, Gold Mingzhu or something like that. Okay. Um, Fun fact about Daniel that you learned today. <laughs> yeah, respect. Okay, yeah. well, hey, just sorry. Let's take a quick timeout because I know Russ has a hard stop here in three minutes and we don't get his presence that often. Give us a quick eSports update. Okay, coming with you with the eSports updates for today. We have two, Okay, one of which is VR related. Uh, for those of you who don't know, VR actually does have eSports. So that game I mentioned, Pavlov, there is a uh, Pavlov's like master group or something like that i the name of it is master league actually so they they actually have a vr counter-strike which Ooh. is very important to me <laughs> and no, you and they're actually on season six right now so like the grand finals of that will actually nice. be coming up on may 30th so it's, it is interesting because the viewer experience is not nearly as smooth because you're sitting there trying to watch people who are operating, you know, in a different perspective than they yeah. normally would be. And it's, it's tough. So it's interesting, but it's, it is interesting to watch and see people go through this because they're like, I mean, it's legit. They'll show the people like on treadmills, basically walking around this place and standing up in their own little area. Very much so like that blank check scene, if you guys remember it, where he had his own like omni. Yeah, yeah, the omnidirectional. Yeah. yeah, are they using those? Are they omnidirectional? Um, I think they're know, just using platforms? it as a way for them to not run into each other. Fair enough. <laughs> and like have That seems less around. fun, actually. Um, but, <laughs> I mean, but from a viewership cool. perspective. Right. And, <laughs> and the, so the other update, and this is external to VR, is, and this is really more for like a, a Twitter conversation that we had. I think Tim had tagged me in it um, whenever someone was saying that with all the sports being gone, they would like to see, you know, esports take over with traditional sporting games as the, uh, like as the medium that people are going to watch. Now, I will say I completely and utterly disagree with sports games as being true esports. Um, because there's there's there too, there's too much random number generator in there like there's too much of uh -huh. the computer does x like you could take you know Why steph you curry and shoot <laughs> and shoot a three that has no one on him and he will miss it in the game so you know it's not realistic and so it just drives me crazy however i will say for the people who are wanting to see esports uh through a real sport type of game espn has been playing them so 2k specifically has been doing it. And I thought it was kind of interesting because what they'll do is, is they'll do actually five on five. So you'll have like the Mavericks wow. versus the Pacers and it will be five guys who are sponsored by those teams. And they'll be playing a, you know, every single person controls one of the players, which I actually thought what? from what, a professional sports yeah. perspective, that was pretty interesting. That is. Yeah. That's Definitely. pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, it's playing on ESPN. It's been going on. Um, I, I've watched a few, a few of them a couple of times and it's pretty cool to see them actually what are they using you know, 10 pc i don't know what platform they're playing on to to okay. be able to do that but i imagine you can actually do it with any one of them ps4 or xbox because realistically it's just like people getting into a lobby it's not yeah, yeah. you know it's not like you know the four of us connecting our controllers to an xbox playing split screen halo which it's would be all awesome, virtual bruh but it's all it. you know you know distant and and appropriate right, that's so, yeah, your time so i'm cool. gonna i'm gonna play you a little uh, little soundboard action i think it's gonna work <laughs> did you hear it <laughs> we did that was you shutting down and getting out to your call man uh thank all you right. for joining us later everyone. thanks for coming on russ always a pleasure all right daniel uh hit us what else you got what else do you really want to talk about in the xr space yeah um i mean just coming back to the apple conversation um you know so and coming back to the 
Ming Chir Kuo guy, which is has been pretty pretty reliant in in the, uh, the the rumors world. You know, he he's saying that 2022 is 2022 2023 will be when uh, when we actually see some hardware come out of of Apple on on the space where you can actually have some kind of VR headset or or glasses, um, as some of the people have been saying. Mm. Um, and that's, you know, as someone that's in the industry, the, the more big players come into it, the more excited we we are about it because it gives us more okay. options, um, and it continues to to validate things for for consumers. So we're we're excited about kind of where where that direction is is heading, and we're hoping those those rumors are are true, and we'll see something from it soon. So do you think whether it's Apple or someone else, do you think there will be a resurgence of sort of like the Google glasses based augmented reality, very light wearables? Yeah. I mean, kind of the, the, the Google glasses is a, is a cool concept, but in the end, like you're only seeing just like a static 2d screen mm. on, on the glasses. You know what, what we'd like to see with AR is the ability to, like I said, augment things where you, it can measure, you know, where things are in yeah. relation to you and then augment things on top of or behind um, uh, other objects. So I'm, I'm hoping that's where we'll go. And there's been a lot of analysts, in, including, um, you know, Oculus's chief scientist um, that, that have given some, some forecasts into kind of what that space will be and how long it will take us to get there. So I think at Oculus Connect 6, he was saying kind of five to 10 years before oh, wow. a AR is, is really there. Um, <laughs> now v VR, we're, we're super close to it. Um, you know, the Quest is a great headset. In order to wear it for a longer amount of time we're, and, you know, to have higher resolution, et cetera, you're probably one to two generations away from a true, you know, amazing VR experience for the masses. Wow. But it's is it it's is it the packaging and capability of the componentry that's holding us back on on augmented reality? Is that the biggest hang up, or is it something else? It it's definitely kind of the just the hardware side of things where you're having yeah. to commute the actual or you know to measure the actual space around you and always be be updating that. Um, if you're just setting up a, a static play place in your area like VR does, it's it's a lot less compute power. That makes sense. So, that's, so that's kind crazy. of, yeah. Cool. Nice. Well, that's exciting. I'm, I look forward to when that stuff kind of goes mainstream. I remember when Google Glass, you know, was first being released out and they were doing, I don't know, alpha, beta, whatever it was, but you saw it trickle out to just a few people. It was like, I can't wait for this to be mainstream. And then of course it yeah. didn't happen. Um, and, and for obvious reasons, right? I think <laughs> people were pretty transparent about why it was not going to be a mainstream device, price yep. aside. But uh, I- Are you talking about the social? Uh, like the the social acceptance of people wearing them? No, no, no. I think that's that's a huge topic too. But I, I just don't think it brought enough value to the table, right? And, and they weren't inexpensive by any means. I think, if I remember correctly, they were well over a thousand dollars. Is what they kind of projected a street price to look like for those. And to Daniel's point, they weren't doing a lot for you because it wasn't capable of continuously augmenting the space you were in. It was giving you something that was rather static. Um, and it, it just wasn't, it wasn't sufficient enough a value proposition for the cost of the hardware. And then, yeah, I think people doubled down on some of the social sides of it too. But I look forward to when at least we, we overcome the technical hurdles yeah. then we can deal with the public stuff. If, yep. the, if the resolution inside the Quest can get just slightly better, um, and I'm like, 
let's call it um let's call it 360 if it can get to 1080 you know kind of an experience it would be phenomenal absolutely phenomenal um do you think daniel in your opinion that apple's um production of something like this i mean this is kind of a bit of a rhetorical question because i think the answer is clearly yes <laughs> if they come out with something um a wearable that is just normal everyday sort of thing does that help us tremendously from a social perspective and accepting people wearing these things? I, I think so. The, the closer form factor we get to what we actually wear, um, you know, then that'll obviously be a, a lot more openly accepted. Now it's, it's been kind of interesting from, from my perspective as all of us have been working from home and not really going out in public very much. Um, you know, VR has, has just kind of blown up recently as we talked about a, a little bit earlier and it as more and more people spend time in vr at home i i think that will make people kind of a little less weary about that in in public yeah now, I'm, I'm not saying you'll you'll be at the mall and you'll see kids just like wearing vr glasses on a bench but you know there, there's potential for you might see some people in in coffee shops that that have VR headsets now because of some of the the capabilities that, that they yeah. have and some of the Different. the tools that people are creating, like what we're doing. Yeah. That's really I, cool. I, yeah, I, I can't wait see, to see more of this. Yeah. I mean, I could honestly see myself doing that as long as I had someone else with me. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm going to go dying alone with get, a VR headset on. <laughs> yeah. Knowing that I wasn't going to get punked um, <laughs> sitting there like that or whatever. It's a bodyguard. Uh, <laughs> Yeah. Uh, I, yeah, I'm, I'm going to do some research. I I'm, I'm think I'm right on the edge of this. This might've tipped me over. So I'm going to have to go find it. I think my timing is terrible though, because uh, it, it's looking like availability is pretty weak. Anybody got, uh, you know, an Oculus Rift or something out there that they want to sell to me for not gouging prices. Cause uh, I'm, I'm open to just come over and offers. play mine. <laughs> if I can bring it home, deal. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, that dried up quick. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't think so. It, it's one of the few things in our house that's technology related that everyone in my house loves. So that's cool. Yeah. All right. How do you, how do your youngest deal with it? That's a question uh, I had actually. Then not so, really there yet. Well, I, that kind of goes back to the the hand tracking thing. They struggle with hmm. the controller. Uh, that makes so, sense. Yeah. I mean, there's experiences out there though that kids have no issues with. So I have a five year old who loves to play Beat Saber. And it's, oh, right. it, it's, it's, you know, you're not hitting buttons on that. You're really just swinging the controllers to yeah. hit stuff. And well, so for him, it, it makes kids, total so. sense. Yeah, and, and he, There's he loves it. There's a roller game they love. That's true. Oh, those ones make me sick. I can't yeah. do that. <laughs> they love it though. Oof. Yeah, kids are a lot, a lot more able to take the motion sickness than we are. <laughs> All right. Uh, that about puts us at our time here. Is there anything you'd like to plug, Daniel? Yeah. Um, one, check out my, my Twitter handle, the Jin High Fang. Um, good luck. <laughs> yeah, good luck. I, I, I might need you. to change that one of these days. Yeah. Um, and then check out, check out vSpatial um, just to talk about the, the productivity and the collaboration space. It is becoming a, a very hot topic right now as, as the world continues to head in that direction. And we've been one of the early companies to it for a while where we've focused on bringing, you know, virtual monitors into virtual reality. So you don't have to have these big physical monitors in front of you anymore. Uh, so you're able to kind of multitask in some ways better than you can on, on a laptop screen where you're focused on just like a 12, 13 inch laptop screen. 
um, and as well as the collaboration component where we let you bring other people into the meeting space with you. you we have avatars where we do head and hand tracking. Um, and we're, we're available on, on quite a few platforms. So hit us up at vSpatialVR on Twitter if you're interested in it. And we'd love to show that off if, if you're interested. It's that awesome if awesome. I can say so myself. I've been in it. I've hung out with Daniel. Uh, we had yeah. a meeting where we're like 5,000. Well, it was more like 50,000 feet in the air looking at a giant 100 foot that's wide, awesome. you know, he's screen sharing. I don't know. It's cool. But you can do whatever, yeah. right? Yeah, that's yep. so cool. It's a limitless. No, that's awesome. Well, Daniel, thanks so much for joining us. Um, the virtual reality, augmented reality, mixed reality, all the, uh, the XRs, right? Expanded reality, you name it. Um, what a fun topic. It was awesome to have your expertise and your perspective with us today. And that brings another Tech Breakfast, Tech Breakfast podcast to a close. We hope everyone enjoyed it as much as we did. And as always, if there's news we missed, something you are excited about, general feedback, or if you want to come join us on the show hit us up on twitter at tech for breakfast podcast or you know aaron or myself and uh thanks for listening give us a booyah thanks, everyone it was a blast booyah <laughs> bye brekkies brekkies cool. <laughs> do we not like that no it's funny it's hilarious <laughs> okay. awesome uh, all right well, daniel that was awesome man thanks for joining us yeah thanks for having me on guys it was fun